Ladies and gentlemen, sit back, relax, and buckle your seatbelts. It's time for your weekly ride-along with the Bikes on Bikes. This is Drive-By. Mike J. He is my guest. We are the Mikes on Mikes. This is the Drive-By Wrestling Podcast. And it's the weekend of the horror show. Mike, are you ready for Extreme Rules, a horror show? Oh, that's this weekend? I guess I'm ready for it. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly, I'm very ready for it. Man, the... Wrestling is just weird right now, isn't it? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff, there's a lot of stuff that I love, and then there's just, I don't know, just weird stuff that I'm not sure, I'm not sure how to take, I'm not sure what it means, Raw hit a all-time low rating, which, I mean, I don't think, like, right now, ratings don't mean what they used to mean anyway, I think we both agree on that. Yeah. I also don't know, like, in the world that we're currently living in, if they matter. Like, everything is upside down. Black is white, night is day, you know, that kind of thing. Yes. And I just don't really know how to take any of it. Like, at all. That's why we have wrestling, man. You can just watch wrestling. You don't have to take anything in this world. You can just watch wrestling. Yeah, and I mean, we got we got a new logo for Extreme Rules, and then it got called the Horror Show. So I do briefly want to go over this card, which is interesting and unique, and I'm hoping because of that delivers. There are six matches as of this recording. Um, so we'll just start off, singles match for the United States Championship, that beautiful, beautiful title belt that we discussed last week, Mike. Uh, current champion, Apollo, it is, current champion, Apollo Crews. Still weird to me that he's the champion. Still weird to me that he's (laughs) the champion. Well, versus challenger MVP, does that make it weirder? Um, no, it doesn't make it weirder. Uh, the, the weird part for me with it all is that okay so like I don't really watch these shows a whole lot so I can only go with you know what I see in highlights and things like that but uh I cannot stand when they just have this like and they do this all the time with their mid-card belts hey guy that's been a career jobber since he's been here all right You've won two matches, and now you're the mid-card champion. Okay, well, cool, man. So we're just going to make that belt look like shit, then. No disrespect to Paul Cruz. Dude's a hell of a fucking worker. But it's like... Okay, well, all right. We just put the belt on some mid-card, low-end mid-carder who was jobbing out until fucking coronavirus. You know, I was going to... I was going to, like, try to form an argument for this, but I really can't. I can't stand I, I, it, man. I hate when they do this, and they all the time fucking do this with their mid-card titles. The only, 
The only thing that I'll say with Apollo is I wouldn't say he was jobbed out quite like some of the others, and he did disappear from TV before making the move to Raw. And when he came back, they gave you know they gave him a few wins, racking up to where he looked like he was on a roll. They even did like a little injury angle with him. But all that said, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, but anyway, MVP's hey, carrying around fast, the new title. Real fast, I just want to say. Um, I've got a couch in my recording room now, and this is fucking outstanding. This is so much better (laughs) than the uncomfortable-ass chair I was sitting in. No disrespect, chair. The chair's sitting right next to me. I still think you're a great chair. You look awesome. You just are not comfortable at all to fucking sit in. Um, but I got a couch up in my recording room now, and I'm gonna be real, man. This is the best fucking thing ever. I should have done this. Two years ago when we were doing this. Well, we'll have to go to the uh, nation and see if they uh, agree that the couch has improved the uh, podcast quality. Oh, I don't care what the fuck they think about it improving the podcast. Uh, (laughs) I don't give a shit about that if they think anything about that. Uh, So, it usually is. Uh, It's almost like I have two wives. Uh, So, who's the winner here? (laughs) Um, I, uh, look, man, we're all aware that MVP's just Shelton Benjamin right now, right? Like, that's all that's happening. He's a good man. I mean, the last... He's a good hand, but, like, I wouldn't be shocked if they put the title on him, but, like, okay, so, just to go with what I just said, you got this dude who randomly out of nowhere became the champion. So if you're building him, why the fuck would you have him lose to a guy that you literally have no future plans for? Let's be real. There's no future plans for MVP. And I'm not saying they won't have stuff for him to do, right? But there's no future fucking plans for MVP. They're not like, man, this guy could one day fucking carry this company. Fuck no. That was 2003. Like, it's 2020 now. And I just, I'm not gonna say that they would, that they're not going to put the title on MVP because we all know they do shit like this all the time, but, man, I just think it would be, like, the wrong decision here. They're not going to put the title on MVP. Hell, last I had, I don't want to say heard, but, like, the, the, the story was that MVP was there to be a producer and to help backstage, and I don't know if the whole situation with Corona just changed that, and that's why he's wrestling more, but even before that he was wrestling, so... I think he's a. I think he is doing a great job as a manager slash, you know, wrestling yeah, he manager. He really is I don't killing think it. There's a, anything more man. to it? Yeah, he's doing great. Yeah, and I don't think there's more to it. So I, I think Cruz retains, and we keep we keep building the mid card, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, next on the list, I'm going to skip and save for last. The two weirdest matches on his card. All right. Uh, Bailey, SmackDown Women's Champion versus Nikki Cross, uh, for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Go figure. Uh, I can't state this enough, man. The women in WWE across all three brands, and this is no slight on anyone on NXT because I would watch NXT no matter what, but man, especially when it comes to Raw and SmackDown, they're the reason to watch. Every woman on this roster is doing a knockout job, okay? Uh, see what I did there? But yeah. 
I mean, specifically on the main, Bailey and Sasha are just killing it. They had an outstanding match with the Kabuki Warriors on Monday Night Raw. I, I'm excited for the first time, and I couldn't tell you how long. I'm excited for stuff that involves Bailey and Sasha. And I mean, Bailey's clearly going to retain. Uh, yeah. I mean, you haven't look. Like, I'm not a. I don't want to say I'm not a Nikki Cross fan. Uh, I'm like 50-50 with her, you know what I mean? Like, half the time, I'm like, no, mm-hmm. fun, Nikki Cross match. But, like, I could just as easily turn it on and be like, oh, it's a Nikki Cross match. Cool. Right. So, uh, but, like, look, man, like, you haven't had Bailey and Sasha be on this, like, run that they've been on as heels to lose the title to fucking Nikki Cross. Agreed. And that is why I can say probably with 98% a 98% guarantee that that does not happen and Bailey retains. Um, let's skip to I think this one's a little bit I don't want to say much harder but I think there's still some cloudiness to this one. The Raw Women's Championship, Asuka, the champion, is being challenged by Sasha Banks. So the other half of the tag team champions, the other half of Bayley, uh, the Golden Idols, as they are calling themselves. That's a fucking great um, name, by the way. It is a great name. Is it gold? I'm sorry, Golden Role Models. I fucked that all up. But it's, it, still it's all the... It's, it's still a great fucking name. It's still a great name. <laughs> Uh, Oscar versus Sasha Banks, man, this is a little cloudy for me. While I really think Oscar's gonna retain, I still think it would be interesting to have... See, you have the tag team champs, the women's tag team champs, so they have the right to go on every brand, any brand, all the time. Which they have been doing, which is fantastic, because they're doing some of the best work in the company. If you were to put the Raw Championship on Sasha Banks and the SmackDown Championship on Bayley, as it is, and the tag team titles, I don't know, man. It might be overkill, but it sure seems like it could be interesting. That being said, I don't want to see Asuka lose this title yet. So I feel like we can also do some interesting storytelling. I mean, Wrestling 101, this is eventually going to lead to Sasha versus Bayley at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but you know, we've been saying that for like three years. I know, but that's why I think, I think they're finally telling the story the right way. I think they started to tell the story like multiple times and it just didn't seem like it was working. And I think that's because they were, Bailey was clear baby face and Sasha was a tweener at that time. I think taking them both to the heel side, which Sasha's a more natural heel anyway, uh, Bailey's knocking it out of the park, and I think it just makes us make way more sense. And it's working. They're firing on all, all cylinders. It's the match that I want to see, but I don't want to see it yet, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense to me. I mean, like, this is... You're gonna have to pull the trigger on this eventually. Yeah, I agree. I think it's also something, to be fair, that they they want to wait on now, man. They don't want to do... 
that's not a match that you build to the way they've built. And I mean, they started this long before this virus hit. They want a crowd. They want a big crowd. They want a SummerSlam crowd or a Rumble crowd or a Mania crowd. They don't want PC uh, talent-filled crowd. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, when the turn happens, it's going to be a big thing. It's going to it's got to happen in a in, in a in a pay-per-view like atmosphere or it's some sold out hopefully one day raw or smackdown whatever the case may be. So, I think Oscar retains, but I can't guarantee it like I did the last one. Okay. I like the way you put that. I can't guarantee it like I did the last you get you taking Oscar too? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's although move on. I will say, I will say, it sure would be badass to have these two chicks as fucking champions right now in both shows, just running rough. It really would be. Well, especially now no. the time to do it, man. You set it up for a Charlotte return. Yeah. Charlotte Which... comes back and whenever, and bitch, you got my fucking title. Like, I don't know who you two think you are out here talking about you run the show. I'm the queen. I'm the greatest of all time. Woo! Uh, sells itself. Yep, you're not actually, wrong. You actually, are not it wrong. sells itself, but everybody just throws a shit fit online about Charlotte. Yeah, well, everybody's She came back, she get the title shot. <laughs> Man. I guarantee you, CM Punk came back to WWE tomorrow. And they fucking gave him a title shot. Like, literally, if he just showed up on TV this weekend at Extreme Rules and was like, I'm here to take on Drew McIntyre and won, everybody would be like, fuck yeah, CM Punk's bad. Yeah, and then a month in, they'd be tired of it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, that's that's really why, like, I would like to see him come back. Because <laughs> I want to see everybody that wants to see him back just throw a fucking bitch bit about him after he's been here for two months. Yep, look, see a absolutely. On TV all the time. <laughs> uh, WWE Championship. Drew McIntyre, our champion, defending against the incomparable Dolph Ziggler in a stipulation match that is to be determined by Mr. Ziggler himself. And uh, that has not been announced yet and will not apparently be announced till the night of because he wants to keep Drew on his heels. Uh, I watched. I have no clue what the stipulation could be. Uh, I've heard a rumor that it's table, ladders, and chairs. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Uh huh. Um, that was. uh, Where did I hear that? It was like a pretty. It was like one of those online sources where it's like, yeah, all right. Like, you know, like, it's one of those ones that when you read something they say, you're like, all right, maybe. Not like, you know, yeah, one of the ones where you're like, well, this is obvious bullshit. But yeah, so I've heard it's tables, yeah. ladders, and chairs. Well, I, I wouldn't even, I don't think I'd mind that because with a guy with true size and a guy like Dolph that can bump, that could make oh, for yeah. an interesting, uh, interesting visual, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally think that, well, I think that just the way they both work and the size differential between them, it's going to make for an interesting visual anyway, as far as the match goes, like, there's going to be some outstanding bumps that Ziggler's going to fucking pull off. 
She's just too good at selling for his own good. Oh, yeah, totally, totally. So, let's move into... Actually, actually, Dolph Ziggler is what Shawn Michaels would have been if he had about uh, 18% less charisma. (laughs) I think that's fair. And I don't even know if we just picked, but uh, it's McIntyre, clearly. Oh, yeah, it's McIntyre. Um, Come on, Dolph Ziggler is never winning a major championship in this company. Like, it's just never going to fucking happen. Hey, hold on, hold on. Do you remember? Do you remember SummerSlam two years ago, where they like built the whole story as Dolph can't win the big one, which is like the story you tell when the dude's about to win the big one, right? Right. And then, and then he still didn't win the big one. I do remember. Uh, I do. I love it. I love it. He's never winning anything ever. All right, let's go into what you're most <laughs> interested in. <laughs> All right, so. These are curious. Both have potential and both, uh, on both sides, I should say, good and bad. But let's do the non-title, uh, Braun Strowman versus Bray Wyatt. And this is not Funhouse Bray. This is not The Fiend. This is old school Bray Wyatt in a Wyatt Swamp Fight. This will clearly be another cinematic take from the WWE uh, machine. In my personal opinion, they have knocked all of these out of the park. I have no reason to believe they won't with this, especially because Bray Wyatt's involved. I think this is a good way to do something important, though I'm not sure what. (laughs) Uh, I think that Braun Strowman wins, but barely... And I think that's only to further the story and get the fiend into the picture, which is I I believe what they're trying to do, and they're just trying to prolong it because, hey, we don't have crowds. Well, yeah, they're trying to draw this thing out as much as they can. Shit, man, Bray Wyatt got three different personas. You can have this cat fight. He can go forever. Yep. He's the modern-day yep. McFoley. Mm-hmm. I next love it. You, I... Next, thing, next thing you know, he's going to be out wrestling as old fucking Wyndham Rotunda. Dude, yeah, you can bring I... back Huston Harris. Like, there's so many, like, opportunities here. He's going to just get weird with this. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, what do you think of this? Do you think... It's non-title, so... It's all that would make you losing. think. Well, that's what I say. That would make you think that you know, Braun's probably not gonna win. That being said, you almost need a reason to have the fiend, right? Yeah, you I mean, because if you're Bray Wyatt and you beat Braun Strowman, no matter what type of match, you're automatically gonna say, "Well, I deserve a title shot." But. Yeah. You also would think, well, now who gets the title shot? Spooky Bray or Fiend Bray? You know what I mean? Like, mm, Good question. Good so how question. do we get the Fiend in there? Not that we need it's pro wrestling, guys. We've said this a million times. We don't need a reason. I'm just trying to think logically and think, is there 
I'm trying to think outside the box of what this could lead to and how incredibly awesome this could potentially be. I've heard rumblings that the goal was to make this like the uh, Firefly Funhouse match, but with more wrestling, because there was not enough wrestling, in a lot of people's opinions, in the actual WrestleMania match. Which there wasn't. There was Um, at all. So... Could we get like a cross, like a hybrid between the uh, Boneyard match and the uh, Firefly Funhouse, where we do a lot of cinematic, uh, like tricks and like memory lane and special effects with the Bray Wyatt Fiend character, but we still have you know the fighting in the swamplands and and what I'm sure is going to be an alligator infested area and things like that. I, does Bray I think, Wyatt get his, or does uh, Braun Strowman get his arm bit off by an alligator? I think what we could actually see is um, the Fiend and Bray Wyatt both at the same time. It's also a possibility. I don't know, man. I'm excited for this. I, I don't want to say, how do I want to say this? I don't want to hype myself up for it because then you can be let down. Um, I just know that they've done really well with this stuff lately, and I don't have a reason to believe they won't here. And I'm just curious to see what it looks like, and I'm excited for it. I, I do think, I do think they keep Braun looking strong, and they have to, they have to have him win to have a reason for the Fiend to come out. But that doesn't mean that it's a clear victory, you know what I mean? It doesn't mean it's not something intentionally set up for Bray to, by Bray to bring the fiend back into the picture. I don't know. It's going to be interesting and I'm excited for what happens. Who who do you think wins? Do you think it's a clear-cut Wyatt win because it's non-title? Yeah. Uh, Actually, it seems more likely to me that it goes to like some kind of no call or something like that. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm all over the place on it. I don't see Strowman losing. But Strowman losing does, like, I guess it's not that I don't see Strowman losing. It's like, Strowman losing furthers the story, right? And it seems pretty obvious that Strowman's losing from the... I guess what I'm saying is I don't see why it loses, probably. Like, like if anyone loses, it's probably going to be Braun, just to further the story. That's my only reason. Yeah. Is that, like, the, yeah, the, no, like, I... That's the only way you further the story, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the clear-cut wrestling way for the story. Like I said, I'm trying to look a little more into the the cinematic, mythological story here. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But I think possibly more interesting, only because of the stipulation, Mike. Rey Mysterio versus Seth, R- Seth Rollins, eye-for-an-eye match. You've heard about this, right? Yeah, I've heard about this. The only way the match can be won is when one competitor extracts the eye of their opponent. Mike, what the actual fuck? I have no idea what they're going to do with this, man. (laughs) This is real, like, booking yourself into a corner shit. This is one of those even... things that this is one of those things that you have to have an exit plan for before you go into it. Like, well, here's is... the thing, man. 
I've heard, I've heard, spoiler alert, I've heard that there will be CGI used to remove an eye from someone's fucking face. No. So, so, as I just kind of talked, listen, as I just kind of talked about the Smalt match, I have, like, the opposite, like, dreadful feeling about this. Which is funny, because... As interesting as it sounds, I'm baffled and confused. I don't think... I know we don't need it. I don't think I want it. Yet, I mean, because my expectations are low, I'm hoping against hope. (laughs) But where, like, where do you go from here? Like, I mean, my thought is Ray's going to lose because he wears a mask. He's also supposedly out of contract. So, I mean, a pretty solid way to write someone off is to have their eye dangling from their head, right? That is true. Cut someone's eyeball out. Now, I I did enjoy Kevin Owens' uh, little joke on Raw, bringing an eye patch out for Seth Rollins and say he got it from his Canadian friend, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Uh, (laughs) I just don't. No, and nice raffle. It it really was. What? What are we doing here? Uh, Seth Rollins is one of. Although Seth Rollins looked badass with a fucking eye patch. He would look bad hit, but he would unfortunately look a lot like a pirate. He would go from Jesus to a pirate in point three seconds. Man, and then fucking rock a pirate gimmick. Fuck it. Nobody's done it. Be a fucking uh, a pirate Christ-like figure. Be a pirate <laughs> Jesus. Is what I, I think, just said. I, 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 I think Rollins is winning it. as well. <laughs> I think Rollins is winning as well. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't know, man. I, I, I'm almost speechless. I... I hope, my hope is that with them doing this, and I know that this is a stupid hope, they already had this planned out, knew where they were going with this, and why they even did it in the first place. And this isn't a fuck, why did we do this? Now we gotta figure it out, kind of deal. Uh, I don't know, man. But, I'm curious, and I'm leery. Uh, The card is interesting, uh, the matches themselves, when you look at the names, they all look pretty solid. Uh, we'll see, man. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not as hype as normal. I'm. I'm tired of wrestling in the pandemic, Mike. I really am. I love it. I'll always love it. I'll always watch it. I'm just tired of it. I want a crowd. I want interaction. <sighs> Dude, it's, it's a brave like new world we live in. I'm having a real hard time with wrestling here lately. Uh, you're not the only one, man. You're not the only one. It's, it's, it's all around. It's not been good. Like New Japan's been kind of cool because their fans are, you know, wear masks and shit and are respectful of fucking social distance and they're not fucking dickheads like some of us over here. Although I'm not super happy <laughs> with what New Japan's got going on right now, but fuck them. That's all right. How dare you? How dare you? Bring me to the highest of highs in January. My man Naito becoming Naito two belts. 
And then Molly's second leave. fucking defense. We go with all this COVID. I'm just waiting on Naito time. And on his first defense after COVID, you motherfuckers gonna have him lose both belts? Fuck you. Like, fuck you so hard. To fucking <laughs> evil? To evil. To evil. To evil. Mike, do you remember when Seth Rollins had the fucking uh, heavyweight and U.S. championships at the same time? Right? Yes. Do you remember that? Okay. Mm-hmm. This would be like if he lost both those belts to Xavier Woods. <laughs> and you'd be like, you'd be like, no, we all like Xavier Woods, but like, but like what? What the fuck is happening right now? And that's kind of what it's like. Because we need a bad guy in New Japan because all the fucking top bad guys are fucking COVID out, man. We ain't got fucking Suzuki. Well, we got Suzuki. But, uh, we ain't got fucking Kenta or Jay White. They need a new leader of the Bullet Club. And they're like, this is the best we got. I firmly believe that um, Kenta... I firmly believe that this was probably Kenta's championship to win, too. Because New Japan um, isn't like WWE, where it's like, oh, fuck, let's just rearrange the story. We'll just rewrite it. New Japan goes, nope, we will just interchange characters. Once the course is set and the story's beaten, like written, it's set. Uh, what they do is they just interchange characters. Um... So, kind of like how Braun Strowman's the champion right now, I guess you could say. Um, right. So, they, uh, I'm assuming that this was probably either Kenta or Jay White's uh, championship here to win. And neither of them, so they just went with something else. A lot of people are like, you call this building a new star. And people said that about fucking old gender as well. Look how that fucking turned out. So, what else? Done ranting about New Japan. <laughs> Disappointed in you motherfuckers. I expect to see Naito back on top by the end of the year. Dominion, man, you guys ruined my favorite fucking pay-per-view of the year for me. Fuck. Alright. Uh, it's okay. I, I, I mean, I'd say I feel your pain, but, I mean, the way that it's been going with everything else in the... It, this side and the American wrestling scene, I've been feeling it for a while. Uh, Hang tight, guys, and take a quick break. Any wrestling be good right now? Yeah, I mean, the in ring's good. I'll give it that. And I think that NXT and AEW, which we'll touch on here shortly, are doing a good job all around. But, you know, just as a whole in general, I'm just, I'm past the COVID era. I am past the COVID era. Guys, it's never going away. You're going to hear a quick message from our friends at Nostalgia Highway. Hey, uh, Nostalgia Highway. I'm listening to Nostalgia Highway the other night at work, right? And they're like, and now uh, the mic's on mics. And it took me, like, honest to God, I'd been at work for, like, 14 <laughs> hours. It took me, like, like half a second, and I was like, oh, oh, commercial, okay. And I was like, hey, wait, I'm one of those mics. You are. You definitely are. Was yeah, this is the seven episode. It's a good episode, man. They give you like a lot of backstage detail. Did you know that like how many people were up for those roles? So many. People. No, I did not. So many people. 
That's, well, I'm not going to get... Do you know Denzel Washington got offered Morgan Freeman's role, and he turned it down because he thought it was too dark, and then after the movie came out, he was like, this is one of the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my career. <laughs> I learned that from Nostalgia Highway. That's the shit you get with these guys. You see what we're doing? I'm giving a fucking ad and a lead-in to a fucking ad. Yep, and the amazing part is it, it makes you want to go back and watch these movies. Seven is in my top five of all time. I, I personally believe it's a masterpiece. It makes you want to go back and watch the fucking movie. Yes. Yep, so give these guys a listen, uh, and we will be right back. All right, Lord Ketchum, what's your favorite line from a Star Wars movie? Man, why, why you got to put me on the spot like that, man? No, time? come on. Tell me a line from your favorite Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah. Quick, quick. Who's it doesn't force? matter Who's what your force? favorite line from a Star Wars movie is. It is. It does. It isn't. Guys, pull over. Well, hey there. We were so busy arguing that we almost passed right by you. Hey, you like movies, don't you? <laughs> no, wait, wait. You love movies, right? Well, why don't you join me? The Lord Ketchum. And me, Dave King of the Road. And me, the Mayor Matt Logson, every other Tuesday. <laughs> typically every other Tuesday. Yeah, okay, so join us typically every other Tuesday on Nostalgia Highway, the movies you know from the guys you don't, the No Frills Movie Review Podcast. We bring our own unique and in-depth analysis of your and our favorite movies from yesteryear. We may argue. We will f***ing cuss. We absolutely will spoil key scene reveals and plot points. Because we only review movies that are 15 years or older. Typically, we review movies that are 15 years or older. Yeah, typically. Hey, who's making the rules anyway? We better get a move on, fellas. I'm sure there's other hitchhikers that are wandering along the highway waiting for us. You're right. You can catch Nostalgia Highway typically every other Tuesday. On Apple and Google Podcasts. As well as Spotify, Breaker, and where all the other popular podcasts are. But you can also find us on Facebook at Nostalgia Highway Podcast, and our Twitter handle is at HighwayNHP. We'll pick you up next time, out on the highway. Hi, this is Daniel. I'm the host of the WID podcast. Well, is it a podcast, though? It kind of started as one, but it became this paranormal late-night talk radio live show podcast, if that makes any sense at all. Are you interested in the ghosts, cryptozoology, UFOs, aliens, government conspiracies? Well, I am, and I'm here to talk about it. I already had pretty amazing guests, like the very controversial David Icke, SMQAI, like Lyle Blackburn, Preston Dennett, Tom Carey, key investigator of the Roswell UFO crash, Freeman Fly, ex-FBI agent and the real Fox Mulder, John DeSouza, Eric Van Daniken, and many others. There's also an open lines show every weekend. I try to do this classic old school radio style, you know, like the good old days, like Art Bell. And I actually have been featured as a guest on Clyde Lewis's Ground Zero primetime American talk radio. Did you know that a few weeks ago, there was a UFO crash in Brazil, in a town called Magé. No? 
Just look for the WID Podcast. Was ist das? Podcast. On iTunes, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on YouTube and in all the socials out there. Wanna take a ride? See you on the other side. And it's all about the things that go bump in the night. I'm Clyde Lewis and this is Boss's Stops. You are listening to Daniel Grosser. It's our name. Are you up to date at all with uh, our friend Daniel and WID? Um, I ha- actually was. I'm not. I like his episodes are so long, and I don't have as much free time now to uh, <laughs> in the daylight. To well, man, I, I've been listening to him at night now and shit too. But like, I just don't have as much free time in the uh, to listen to podcasts right now. I just, it, it, I just don't. Um. So it's taking me longer than it normally would to finish one of his episodes. But like well, I'm currently listening to the Matthew uh Alper episode. That's actually literally like if you looked at my podcast, like hit like what's playing on it right now, that would be the, the Matthew Alper. The man episode. who doesn't believe in anything. His last two episodes, Mike, his latest two as of this recording, Jake Anderson who's wrote a book on the Elisa Lamb case, if you're a true crime or oh, paranormal no, uh, He's got fan. that dude on there? Yeah, it's it's fantastic. It's it's just, it's a case I'm very familiar with. If you don't know what we're talking about, it's the case where the girl was found in a water tower on top of the hotel, and there's a really creepy elevator video moments before she disappears. Uh, I'm not going to say any more than that. Go listen to the episode. Fantastic. And the one that I just finished before we recorded uh, from his Thursday uh, live show, John Priester. And let me tell you, Mike, this was this show. I hope Daniel appreciates this. I felt like my brain had sex and came everywhere. Seriously? That good, huh? It just, because there were a lot of, John Priester's an investigative reporter, he's been 
you know, following paranormal, deep state, political things his entire career, and some of the things that he said connected dots of things that I've had in my head for years, and when you get that kind of, I don't want to say validation because that's not what I mean, but when those things come together for you from somebody else who probably knows way more than you could ever pretend to about something, it's just like, it's like you feel like after you're done listening to it, you need to sit back and smoke a cigarette. And I don't even smoke, Mike. Oh, dude, you should take it up, man. Your kids don't need a dad. <laughs> so Kimmy can, can come live with us with the kids. She, her and my wife can be sister wives. And I will raise your boys to become men. And I will raise them in your image, Mike. And I will raise them well. Uh, so do you, <laughs> do yourselves a favor, go check out our other friend, Daniel, on the What Does DOS podcast, uh, every, well, on all podcast, uh, podcast platforms and live on YouTube, uh, at noon, usually Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. He, he, he fills your eardrums, man. You got a lot of stuff to listen to. Something that I've been enjoying just as much as what is DOS, just as much as Nostalgia Highway, is WWE NXT. It's the shining light in the shadow of wrestling for me. Killed that transition. Uh, they had killed. I, I had to make up. Uh, Killed make up from last week. So. They did not have a special this week, while AEW ran their third quote-unquote special event in a row. But, uh, and, and, AEW took the total viewership this week. But we also had UFC, we had NASCAR, we had some sports returning. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes next week. Um, but, again, especially right now, man, I, I don't know about results or about ratings and about demos and all that horseshit that we're hearing right now because it's just it's a weird time they also did an unannounced match mike so i'm going to get into this the night started out with keith lee coming out they're praising him for being the first ever double champ he's north american and nxt champion after beating adam cole last week at the finale of great american bash Keith Lee. He does a, he does a, they do a really neat video package where literally almost every star on NXT is congratulating and then telling him he's got a target on his back. It was really, really well done. Uh, and then he comes out and says that there's one person that this was not, this is not a solo journey. He talks about his trainer who passed away recently. And then he goes into saying that there's people who have helped him in the back, and one man in particular, and he tells them to come out here, and it's Don Dominic Dijakovic. I almost said his other name. Uh, so Dijakovic comes out, and Lee tells him he's gonna, he wants him to be the first person to get a shot at both of these titles, and he talked to Regal, and they can do it tonight. So we got a big match that was completely unannounced, Mike. Holy shit. Yep, so they shake hands, they walk to the back, we get Damian Priest versus Cameron Grimes. You remember when I said at In Your House there was something about his gear that it just started to click for me? 
Yeah. And you kind of questioned me on that and said, I actually didn't like his gear nearly as some of his other. I don't know, man. Something's clicked. Maybe it wasn't the gear. Something's different with him. Maybe he's just firing on a different level. But, man, I'm becoming a huge Damian Priest fan. He's, uh, um, he's, uh, I'd like to, because I've been, I was a fan of him in Ring of Honor's Punishment Martinez. I still think that's a mm-hmm. fucking great name. I wish they hadn't let him keep it. Um, but he um, reminds me of the transition he's made of Baron Corbin in NXT to main roster Baron Corbin. I he got went you. from being the quiet, large guy um, to forming a personality and becoming a mm-hmm. fully formed character. Yeah, he's he's doing really good work. This match was a, a, a good match that let both guys kind of showcase uh, their abilities, letting letting uh, Priest get the victory by pinfall. And then, of course, after after the match, Priest gives a little warning to whoever wins this uh, championship match later in the night. So everyone's still adamant they're gunning for this uh, these two championships. Uh, Bleacher Report gave this match a C plus, and that's I'm really curious to see the grades on the other channel because that that was not a C plus match. Um, I'd have gave it a B, a B minus at worst, not a C plus. Whatever. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart took on uh, India Hartwell. If you recall from last week, Shotzi ran Robert Stone over with her tank. <laughs> I want one of those Robert tanks. Stone. We, we like. Uh, the warehouse that I manage, we ship out a lot of those to stores. Uh-huh. And <laughs> after, like the first time they came in, like a year ago, I was just like, oh, fuck, I want one of these so bad. <laughs> well, Robert Stone's doing amazing work on Twitter and social media with this whole tank debacle. Um so, of course, during the match, uh, which was a very fun match, but then ended with Robert Stone and Aaliyah making their presence felt, causing uh, one distracting the ref, one tossing uh, Shotzi off the top rope, causing India Hartwell to get a victory over Blackheart, and another tease of maybe someone else joining the Robert Stone brand here. Um Bleacher Report gave this match a B minus. I think that's a terrible grade with the outcome because it was so it was a surprising even though you could see they'd get involved, the way they got involved was less predictable. The way it all went down and the speed that it took place, I thought it was done very well. I definitely give that a B B plus, but again, I'm an NXT mark, what the fuck do I know? Aha uh-huh. <laughs> Hey, have you seen speaking of Mark? Have you, uh, I found a new, uh, Facebook wrestling group. It's called Get a Load of This Mark. Oh, good. And it's just, like, people just sharing, like, super marky shit that, like, people post on wrestling groups and stuff. A lot of stuff from an Alexa Bliss fan page. I'll add you to it. Uh-oh. Yes, please do, please do. Next, we got NXT and North American champion Keith Lee! Yes, Joe, I will also add you. <laughs> defending both titles against 
Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, man, these two. AJ, I'll add never. you. I'll add you, but in four weeks when you actually listen to this episode. <laughs> they these two never disappoint when they're in the ring together. Fantastic match. Uh, Lee, of course, gets the victory. The match got an A on Bleacher Report, which I think is a hundred percent spot on. The end after the match, they are uh, talking to each other, congratulating uh, or Dijak's congratulating Lee, and it goes black. And then we get the spotlight, and we get Scarlet on the ramp, slowly walking her way down to the ring with a bag in her hand to where she dumps out the broken uh, hourglass that Keith Lee broke a few weeks before, if we remember. Remember when I said that's going to that's gonna cost him? Yeah, we said that's not going to be cool. <laughs> yeah, so she does that. She dumps it on the ring. She walks away. We then cut later after a break to an interview with, uh, I, I'm going to say Dijak because I'm just going to keep fucking it up, with <laughs> Dijak or Dijakovic, if you know him by his WWE name, uh, being interviewed in the back saying that Keith Lee is on another level. He's been in the ring with him so many times, and that's a different Keith Lee. Uh, and when the interviewer brought up the presence of Scarlet, he started to take the negative talk uh, to that whole uh, package and then ended up with Karrion Cross standing behind him and attacking him and leaving him to lay in the backside of the PC where the uh, tryout rings are, exercise rings are. And we have it announced for next week, Karrion Cross will take on Dominic Dijakovic, which should be a fantastic match. Yeah, that's going to be an outstanding match. They're going to beat the shit out of each other. It's going to be good shit. Yes, it will. We then move into Timothy Thatcher versus Denzel. A last name I can't pronounce and someone I don't know, so I'm not going to worry about it. But Thatcher beat the fuck out of him. Uh, (laughs) it, it It was what it was. And what it was was to set up our boy Oni Lorcan running out and clocking Thatcher. If you recall... Yes. Wait a minute. If you recall... The first night of Great America, first night, I believe, maybe second, I don't know. Uh, Thatcher and Lorcan had a match. Thatcher won and then extended the hold after the tap out, which he's in the, if you're watching these videos, these vignettes, he's teaching his students this and how it makes the pain even greater and how it really gets your point across. After you beat your opponent, you hurt them more. And. <laughs> He started to do this to his opponent here, and that's when Lorcan ran out and clocked him. Uh, I'm all for a feud between these two, man. Uh, match got a C-plus from Bleacher Report. Like I said, this wasn't a match to to wow you. This was a match to set something up. So uh, I think I think what it set up was done very, very well. And then we move into our main event of the night, Mike. Io Shirai defending her... Uh, I'm going to say newly won, because she hasn't really had to defend it yet, I believe, uh, versus Tegan Knox, who won the number one contender match. Mike, again, you just have to go watch this match. It's fantastic. Uh, both women firing on all cylinders. Um, I, I, I enjoy both of these girls. I love Io Shirai. I really, really, really like what Tegan Knox has been doing. I fucking hate when she chokeslams. 
Um, I don't believe she did it here, so... <laughs> in my opinion, a good Tegan Knock match. Uh, <laughs> a from Bleacher Report. Io Shirai gets the victory. Uh, but, as Io Shirai is walking out, she is blindsided with a kick to the head by none other than Dakota Kai. And we are moving forward in the women's division. Uh, looks like we're going to be setting them up and knocking them down on both sides, both men's and women's. And I think at this point in time, that's just what we need to do. Um, overall, man, a really solid show. Uh, NXT just, uh, like I said, they're the light in my dark right now, man. And I have a surprise. I actually watched the other channel in all its glory. Uh, start to finish, man. No uh, shit. But I'm going to let, I, I I'm going to let you take the reins. I and I'm going to interject where I need to. Okay. <laughs> um, so, we open with the TNT Championship match. So, it's Fighter Fest. It's our third pay-per-view special event week in a row. <laughs> it's the best of all three was this night. Fight for the f- fight for the Fallen? Fight for the Fallen was better than either night of Fighter Fest. Might have been better than yep. Fighter Fest as a whole. Um, I, I would, I'm going to agree with that. Uh, TNT Championship match, Cody versus Sonny Kiss. You you Uh, know what, actually, before I even let you get rolling, can I say something? Yeah, sure. I really enjoyed this Dynamite. There. How about that? This was a great show. I'm still going to pick on it, because there were things that I fucking hated. But I really enjoyed it. Um, we open with, uh, TNT Championship match, Cody versus uh, Sonny Kiss. Um, Bleach Report gave it a B. I think that's probably fairly accurate. Um, I think that's fair. The main part of what was happening here was, as you saw, uh, they're sowing seeds with Cody and heel turn. It yes. appears. Which I'm all yes. for. They're telling the story of a champion who maybe bit off more than he can chew with defending this title every night. Uh, maybe he's getting a little burnt out. He's starting to talk about the elite haven't been having his back. No one's been having his back. Um, they're sowing the seeds for a Cody heel turn. Um, and they also specifically mentioned Tully Blanchard twice out there watching. Yes. So, it appears to me the story they're telling, and we'll get into Tolly Blanchard a little bit more later, is that Tolly has been scouting. And Sean Spears has been on social media lately using the number four a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, can wait? Can they use that? Can they use four horsemen? I think if they say four, they're perfectly okay. I don't think they could yeah, say four that's horsemen. Fair. I don't think they could say four horsemen at all. No, I don't think there's. I don't. I can't see a world in which they're allowed to say that. But if they call themselves the four, I think you're pretty pretty okay to do whatever the fuck you want, then, bud. Um, yeah, I would agree there. So I, I, I'm, I'm super cool with this. Let's 
we need a, a change up on AEW. There needs to be some. They want everybody to be the fucking good guy, and your bad guys. We'll get into how I feel about the bad guys later, okay? Um, but yeah, overall, I thought this was a pretty good segment. Uh, good storytelling opportunities that were capitalized on. After that, we had FTR versus the Lucha Bros. Um, Bleacher Report gave it a bleep B plus. Uh, I personally think it was probably an A minus. I enjoyed the fuck out of this match, but I am an FTR mark. And I am a Lucha Bros mark. I, I'm fucking marks for both these teams. I love all four of these fucking guys. I think they put on a great match. Um, FTR gets the win. Post-match, we have... Uh, post-match, we got... Hold on. It just reloaded on me for some reason. All right. So post-match, um, the Bucks... Uh, well... You watched it, but I'll explain for those at home. Lucha Bros <laughs> arrive in FTR's truck with the Butcher and the Blade. Right. So, uh, post-match, the Bucks sneak up behind the Butcher and the Blade, super kicks, they get the keys to the truck, they meet Kenny Omega in the ring, Kenny's got a cooler, uh, they give FTR the, the keys to the truck, Kenny gives them beers, he takes a beer, he's like, look man, I'm sorry, we'll make up for what happened. Everybody opens the beers, cheers, and then FTR dumps the beer on Kenny Omega's head. Fuck yeah. <laughs> and then they go to their truck and they leave. Um, again, see, this is part of what made this show so good, right? Is the consistent building of storylines that you're interested in. Right. Like that 100% to me, not 100%, but that is like a big factor for why this show was so good. Was that they finally started like, okay, it's, yeah, dope, you can have a spot fest fucking six times a night, but like, man, someone needs to tell some stories. That, and I think Jericho on commentary also helped. Jericho on commentary is always amazing. So, speaking of Jericho, he's got something to say. He comes down to the ring with, uh, the remaining members of the inner circle. <laughs> and, um,. He's... Okay. Well, let's just get into it, right? Jericho explains how yep. demographics work and ratings demographics. This was terrible, by the way. Awful. Um, I do like that we got to the nickname Demogod with it. I um, don't like that. I don't even like that. Uh, because it's, just, it's like Demigod, except Demogod. Uh, I understand, like... But, I get the play on words, and I love the play on words, but I, like, he should be above that. Yeah, probably he should. I don't um, need Chris Jericho. Here's the thing, though. Talking about demographics on a television show. I just don't. Here's the thing, though, right? This is a company that made it clear from the very outset that... We are going to cater very, very hard to our hardcore fans. And so you and I watch this and we're like, even though AEW's the wrestling show I watch the most and probably enjoy the most outside of New Japan, um, 
to you and I, it's like, well, that was kind of desperate. But to the hardcore AEW fan, it's all fucking hell, yeah, fuck yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? I guess. Like it's it it's, just seems it's like to the to 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 the like look at any AEW fan online, man. That's exactly what they said. They're just selling it to their fans. They're just selling it to their fans, so their fans go out online and fucking try to sell it to you even harder. <sighs> yeah. Just. I just I, I don't know like. Something I want to talk about after this briefly. Um, I, I don't need Jericho doing this, and I don't think it should be brought up on the television show. You want to talk about it in a business meeting? You want to talk about it on a conference call? Cool. Makes sense. Um, but whatever. Well, go ahead. Move on to the segment, because there's other things I need to bring up. Um... So Jericho out there in the midst of all his bitching brings up Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy comes out, but he's like up in the fucking stands. And uh, Jericho's ranting how he'll never get a rematch and blah, 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 blah. And Orange Juice falls from the sky and coats the entire inner circle. Well, you know, not the entire inner circle, but who we haven't been currently. <laughs> um, Jericho... Starts ranting at Raven. It's a $7,000 coat. Uh, Asks for a towel. It's an Orange Cassidy towel, which is fucking awesome. Like, it's a great towel. I love the towel. I, I thought about ordering one. Um, <laughs> got my Hawaii trip next year coming up. My yearly Hawaii trip. So, like, I'm guy if Hawaii's open. Fuck, if Hawaii's open, I'm not going to... What am I going to do? What's this all about? <laughs> What's the point of all this? Um, I thought it was a really enjoyable segment after they got past the ratings raining. Once he moved into Orange Cassidy, I thought it became uh, a good segment. So I guess like the back third of it. Bleacher Report actually gave it a C. Um, I think that's probably fair. For the overall segment as a whole. It's probably fair. Here's my... I don't have a problem with the segment at all. I thought it was pretty great. Uh, here's the thing. Here's where my problem creeps in. And you know where I'm probably going to go with this. is the fan hypocrisy. Yes. So, it's beloved. It's a, I mean, people talk about it. It's It was an overall positive segment. We had... Orange Cassidy dump orange juice on Chris Jericho, but we have Baron Corbin dump dog food on Roman Reigns, and it's the worst shit ever. I don't understand the hypocrisy, Mike. No. Like, when it's so damn blatant, it makes it hard to get behind the other guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's pro wrestling. Like, this is the kind of shit you do in pro wrestling. There's good matches, there's slapstick stupid comedy, and there's magical powers. That's what pro wrestling is, right? 
that is it. We shoot lightning out of hands, and we got brothers that control the elements and shit, man. It's like that fucking Avatar show. I, yeah, I just, and it, it's annoying to the point where the hardcore of hardcore AEW fans won't admit that it's the same thing, but it's totally the same thing. And, I mean, granted, Jericho can make things better, so maybe that's why it was loved, I don't know, but I just think... We'll get into a little bit later what my my ultimate feelings on AEW, even though I enjoyed this show. Go ahead and continue. It, it'll all make sense in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. No, I gotcha. Um, Jericho movie commentary after that, which was a fucking blast, as we had talked about prior. So after that, we had Jurassic Express versus The Elite. Uh, Bleach Report gave it an A. I assumed they would give it as much. Um... You know, this was another one of those fucking spot fests that I don't mind. I don't mind it when it's a bunch of people just doing spot fest. I don't, like, I don't mind. I hate it in a singles match. Do not mind it at all when it's just a bunch of people in a tag match because I know that's what we're going into. I enjoyed the hell out of this. A, yeah, see, I don't know. All their grades so far have been fairly accurate as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's fucking nonstop action. Uh, I, Omega won by hitting the one-winged angel on Marco's stunt. And it was the most amazing one-winged angel I've ever seen. Because he really could just fully grasp him and pull him down with a quickness. Yeah. Um, Post-match, Omega just starts beating the shit out of Marco's stunt. And everyone has to pull him off. And he just starts laughing in the corner. Um, So we're teasing another heel turn. And we're teasing... Dude... Uh, it was the fucking cleaner. When he laughed, when he laughed, it was the fucking well, cleaner, man. Here's, here's what, like, and it, it, this was kind of night and day for me, because at the beginning of the match, I literally said out loud, why the hell is Kenny Omega backing off from flipping Marco stunt? Because that's how the match started. And right away, I was like, no, no. No, no. Yes, it's got to change. It's got to fucking change. you got to be the cleaner again, man. You have to. So by, and, the, by the end of the match, and also let me point out, I enjoyed, I, I wondered, <laughs> and I don't know if this is intentional or this is Jericho being great, I wondered, why does Omega have a shirt on? And Jericho said on commentary, almost as immediately as that thought popped into my head, I know this man, and he doesn't take a shirt off when he doesn't take his opponent seriously. <laughs> and then he took a shirt off, and he said, see, he's taking him seriously now. Uh, uh, this also played into the main event later on in the evening, and Jericho also <laughs> I thought that was the goal of making me laugh. A nice little tidbit there with uh, he doesn't take his shirt off unless he takes the man seriously. That I thought but by the, a- by, Yes, but by the end, we got... Uh, you know, we got Kenny doing better things. Uh, well, while I don't want him backing off of Marco's stunt, I mean, he almost has to be healed to abuse Marco's stunt. So, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. I did enjoy the match. Uh, yes. Um, 
other than the highly choreographed Canadian destroyer off of somebody into the ring. I mean, it looked cool. Yeah, God it was damn, this not near as setups. cool. It was not near as cool as fucking Ray Phoenix's right? last week. Well, because Ray Phoenix's looked possible without help. Well, because Ray Phoenix's didn't have any help. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Fair. Fair. By the way, if you didn't watch AEW uh, F- Fighter Fest Night Two last week, uh, go back and watch it just to see the Canadian Destroyer. The Ray Phoenix does. It's <laughs> fucking yeah, it's, insane. It's, I've never seen anything like it. And I fucking popped. It, it, like, I literally popped. I was sitting in my car watching it on my phone. And I was like, and like, oh, shit, uh, popped in my car. Nightmare Sisters took on MJ Jenkins and Kenzie Page. I did not watch this. I do not care. Bleach Report gave it a C. You didn't miss anything. It was um, a, it was a D, D plus at best. Uh, then we had, after that, um... Uh, oh, I did watch the end of this, um, where Nyla Rose brought her new manager out. Mm-hmm. Um, Vicky Guerrero, how fucking good is she at her job? She is good. She's so good. She's so good at just, like, when Vicky Guerrero first popped up back in, like, whatever it was, I wasn't, like, uh... I was a wrestling fan that was there for the stories and shit. You know what I mean? I wasn't like, uh, mm-hmm. I, I wasn't, I didn't like watch the nuances and shit. So when Vicky first showed up, I could fucking stand it. Like me is like a wrestling fan now, like 20 years later, 15 years later. Um, the woman is fucking very good at what she does. Uh, I'm excited to see her with Nyla Rose. Uh, blah, 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 uh, the lackluster AEW championship match between John Moxley and Brian Cage. They built this shit up way too much. It was a serviceable main event. Bleacher Report gave it a B. I'd probably give it a B minus. Um, B maybe. Maybe. This was a very serviceable main event, right? Like, like, the match, like, I wasn't expecting it to be fucking spectacular or anything. It was a very serviceable main event. Until the end, when uh, Moxley's got Cajun armbar, and he's got it locked in for a minute, and Taz throws in the towel. Uh, like, the story they're trying to tell is that, you know, man, this is like a, Taz got a fucking, he can't, Cage has already had major surgery on that arm and lost five months to rehab in the last year he can't go through something like that again taz has to protect his investment and i get it 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 it just for a match that had this much build up to it it felt a little flat (sighs) felt a little flat yeah man I've said it before. I, I don't mean to be a be a dead horse, but I'm not a fan of Solo Moxley. I'm a fan of Shield Dean Ambrose. Uh, I've never enjoyed any of his single runs, and it's carrying over here, man. Man, I'm gonna be real I with you. Go ahead, and finish. 
I was just going to say, I don't know if that's a fair thing for me to say. I don't know if it's him. I, I don't know if it's me. I don't no, know it's him. I, I'm not going to say, well, you know. Here's the thing. When he first came to AEW, he was John Moxley again. He was doing the, the, the Moxley nuances. And had that Moxley edge. And it's like, motherfucker, all you are now is Dean Ambrose again. Like, he, when he came back, to, when he came to AEW, he was Dean Ambrose at the very beginning of the Shield. And now you're just like Dean Ambrose when you won your first, when you were first SmackDown champion, Dean Ambrose. Like, that's, like, you're just being Dean Ambrose again, man. If you just were going to be Dean Ambrose, why the fuck, like... You just, here's the thing, creatively you weren't fucking being hampered, man. You just wanted to be Dean Ambrose and have hardcore matches. And I honestly think... And I get it, you didn't want to talk to plants. I feel you on that, man. I feel you. That's, but, but, and that's the thing, like, when he does shine, say, at AEW, it's when he's doing the hardcore matches. Like, I'm just gonna say it, man, he's not that good of a wrestler. He's serviceable, but he's not, like, star-level, crazy, athletic, incredible, work-rate guy. He's not Kenny Omega. He's not Seth Rollins. No. No, he's not. He's not even Cody Rhodes, who I think is a very, very, very good wrestler, but not on the level of the other two guys I just mentioned. He's not AJ Styles. No, he, he's, he's uh, not. He's not Johnny Gargano. He's not Adam Cole. He's not these people. No, no, he's he's Stone Cold Steve Austin without everything that makes you Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, that, I can't even say anything because you just phrased it the best way that it possibly could be phrased. Like Stone Cold was a serviceable ring worker. But he was f- fantastic because of everything else he brought yes. to it. And he doesn't have any of those things. No. And that's the problem here. <laughs> so overall, a good show. I, I kind of wanted to end it and kind of encompass the AEW, because I even though I felt a lot of love for AEW this week, Mike, I know that you listen to, I don't know how many of our fans listen to, the uh, Tony Khan, Eric Bischoff, 83 Weeks episode. And when it was kind of announced or teased or whatever... Uh, I believe it was our high fiver himself who met, messaged us and said, "Can't wait for this." And I half jokingly said, "I wonder if they're going to edit out the cock sucking sounds from Tony Khan blowing Eric Bischoff the entire time." And then I listened to it and realized I wasn't kidding because it was literally. I was 45 minutes into this podcast, Mike, and the show that I expected I would hear Eric Bischoff and Tony Khan talking shop about what it's like to run a promotion and how it is to take on WWE and what it was like back in the day compared to today, that shit didn't happen. But I did hear the immense love that Tony Khan had for everything Eric Bischoff, WCW, and... Uh, how it changed his entire life completely, entirely, totally, a hundred million times over, man. Man, 
They say don't ever meet your heroes, man, but sometimes you can, and it's super cool. And I don't fault, like, I don't fault Tony Khan for feeling that way. But that conversation they had should have been before the show. Yes. And then the show could have started with, thank you, Bischoff, for doing this. Thank you for everything you've done. You've helped create AEW in more ways than you know. Let's talk about AEW and compare to what you did. That's it. And that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted, and that's how it started. It Literally, the first sentence that was spoken between them made you think that's what you were getting to. Yep. Literally, this? he goes, he says, Tony Khan says, you're probably the <laughs> uh, only guy who understands what it's like to be me. The only guy yep. who's ever gone, run a major like wrestling federation and gone toe-to-toe with Vince McMahon. Like, you, that's essentially yep. what he said. You're probably the only guy who knew. And Bischoff was like, yes, I, I'm sure that like you probably know exactly what I was going through in 1997. And I was like, here we go. Wrong. Yep, I, dude. I, uh, I I I found it funny because I said this that show that podcast literally defined AEW for me. Yeah, it, yeah, that sums it, it up. It, we love it, this shit. It sums it up because it's something I thought I wanted and it has absolutely nothing that I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. It was something I thought I wanted. but And it's not even that I didn't like it. Like, I know you didn't care for it so much. I really enjoyed listening to fucking Tony Kong gush over this dude for fucking... Like, I loved it. I thought it was very endearing. There's at least three people I can think of I'd be like that if I met. I didn't hate it. There's a lot of people I'd be like that, but he... The, the other problem is... When you're running a company like AEW and you're online arguing with fans about rating demographics, which he did, and then you're gushing and like falling over yourself to tell a- another person from the business how important they are to you, like publicly, like making love to them by a podcast, like, dude, I. You would never hear Vince McMahon do that, ever. You wouldn't hear Eric Bischoff do that the other way around. You know what I mean? That's fair. Like, you wouldn't hear Triple H talking like that to Vince McMahon, right? No. Because it's not professional. And I know that that was supposed to be like a laid back, relaxed, we're going to talk about Fight for the Fallen and AEW, but they didn't. They just talked about WCW and how much Eric Bischoff means to Tony Khan, and it just was not what I wanted. And am I being a selfish wrestling fan for saying that? Yes, I am. But it sums up the entire company for me. It's what I thought I wanted and delivering, um, for the most part, WWE light. And I like WWE, so I'm clearly finding things that I like in AEW, and I like a lot of the roster members. Minus, like, every woman on it. But, I'm just being real here. And, again, we cycle back to that hypocrisy. 
I, I wonder when the day's going to come when the hardcore fan base realizes they've been fed a watered-down version of WWE with slightly more in-ring freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah, I got you. I know exactly what you're saying, man. And I'm not even saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that's not what I thought this was going to be. And that's all I got, Mike. It's just not what I thought it was going to be. I agree. I have nothing really (laughs) added to that, man. We feel the same way on it. I guess it just is what it is. You have anything else you want to say to these fine, fine people, Mike? Yeah. Here we go. Okay, so last week I started a new game with you. I changed it up. So we used to do Kill Fuck Mary, right? Mm-hmm. Now we're doing Push Cut Bury. I like it. I love it. Actually. You got to push one, you got to cut one, you got to bury one. Uh, okay. So we're going to start off interesting this week. Biggie, Xavier Woods, Kofi Kingston. Holy shit. And Barry implies they're going to stay on your roster, but you're, like, going to Heath Slater then. Like, their career is fucking done. You're, like, career jobber. Heath Slater not even, like, what? Like, you're JTG in that. Like, you're ending it for them. It's donezo. Oh, well, this is a tough one, man. I, you picked, like, the people that I don't want to do this to. All right, let's see. Yeah, that's the point. I think we're going to push Big E. Yes. Since, man, I hate to say this. I guess we cut Xavier and we bury Kofi. Really? I was going to say you cut Kofi because Kofi can go anywhere and be a star. And you bury I mean, Xavier. if you're doing it fair, but if you're doing it from a company standpoint, you don't want right. him to go be a star right. somewhere else. Fair. A great point, actually. So you cut the guy who's got the ankle injury that may not be able to wrestle anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what you do. There it is. I, I always try to try to bring a common sense to you, Mike. <laughs> Guys, I say it every week. It's been real. It's been fun. We will catch you next time. You guys are beautiful. We love you. Have a great week. New episodes of Drive-By drop every Saturday on iTunes, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio app. Subscribe and make sure you never miss a single one. And keep the conversation going on Facebook at Drive-By Pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. This has been a presentation of the Near Fall Network.